Awesome. We have three or four other youth leaders over there tonight working with our teenagers. It's always a blessing um, to be able to do this and, and, and preach on a Sunday night. Glad my wife is over here. She's really the only one I need in the pews for support. I'm good to go. That's rude, I understand. But if my wife is in my corner, that's all I need. If she's not, what's a guy to do? I'm serious. So thank you, babe, for being over here as well. Tonight's message is entitled, Use It or Lose It. Some of you will get that. Um, I want you to turn to Revelation 2. The title is called, Use It or Lose It. And you will know what I am talking about here shortly. Those of you who are visiting, my name is Adam. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. Pastor Joe is in the front row. I'm not sure if by looking around if we have any visitors, but just to clarify. Um, Revelation 2, just kind of hang out there for a moment. Um, have any of you been watching some of the TV on 9-11 and remembering a little bit? It's hard to forget those days, especially if you were alive. It's difficult. I mean... Kids that are like freshmen and sophomores in high school and younger weren't even alive. So it's really hard to put that in perspective and talk to it about teenagers because now to them it's, it's history. It, so it's, um, you know, I remember where I was and I did post it on some social media and there were a lot of people that responded and said where they were. And, um, but don't forget, don't forget today. Don't forget today, and, you know, we have so many things going on in our nation, and, you know, respect is going out the window, even though this nation is the one who, who gave us our freedom and our liberties and allow us to have a job and to make money, and a lot of people, there's just, a, there's very little respect anymore. Um, but we have a responsibility as a church and as Christians to display uh, the love that we have for the Lord. It's not something you can make up. It's not something that I can do by works. Um, it's something that I have to cultivate every day, and then I don't have to really say a whole lot. It just comes out. Um, but something has to be different. So I want to read Revelation 2, 1 through 4, and we're, you know, the majority of us tonight are familiar with this scripture. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou, have, thou hast left thy first love. Okay, so they do all these things in the name of Jesus. They have all these works. They're trying to convince themselves and everybody else around them in their church that they do indeed love God, but the Lord still has something against them. So as I start to kind of go through the stuff that I've put together, I think about my history with the, with the Lord, with the church, with my relationship with my wife, um, with coming here to New Hope and uh, the, the Christmas service of 1994 over in the other sanctuary that eventually came the youth sanctuary uh, in 2001-ish. In we built this church addition and, and kind of um, filled this church up, I think it was around Thanksgiving-ish of 2000. Um, so coming up on 16 years, we've been over here, and I remember when we had youth at Hollywood Hills, I remember when we had youth in the office over here, when we didn't really have a place at all, and we had to find stuff Sunday to Sunday, um, and when Lenny passed the baton to me to become the youth leaders, I remember when Lenny and Teresa came up on the maroon carpeted stage over there, prayed for Jen and I, and we officially became the youth leaders. I remember when I was 16 years old and there was a guy by the name of Harvey Hester who came and prophesied over me sitting over here in the old sanctuary and I was shaking in my pew and I remember all these things and I remember 
growing up in church, um, and I remember how much I loved the Lord and how much I wanted to hear from him, how much I longed for him, um, how much I wanted to know what he wanted with me and from me and for me and who was I going to marry and how excited I was that I had this whole journey in front of me. And I loved God. I lo- and I love him now. But in the midst of all of that, Jesus is still saying to the church, I still have this thing against you because you have left thy first love. So I want to kind of look at what a first love looks like tonight. I, I want to I look at Jesus' conversation with Peter. Um, it's, it's, it's critical that those of us that who have been walking with God for any length of time pay really special attention to these words because Ephesus was a church that was theologically sound. They, know, they had programs and they knew what to do and the followers of, of Jesus, it says in the scripture, they, they tested what was preached. They didn't tolerate anything that strayed from truth. I mean, these are good things. And um, the, they were people that were laboring without fainting, the scripture says. But something had to happen uh, to them along the way to cause them to leave their first love. Probably didn't happen overnight. So I look back on um, 19, January of 95, really. So I'm coming up on, what is that, 22 years this January where the Lord took things from me, took things out of my life that caused people to notice a difference. And they started noticing how much I love the Lord and the things of the world were truly growing strangely dim. And I loved God, and I still do. So if you've kind of noticed that there's, there's something really attractive about a first love, you know, and I think, well, my first love, and then I think of relationships, maybe some bad decisions and poor choices that I made before I really met my true love. And everything else, after that point, it wasn't, it wasn't love, right? So, and, and there's, there's something that you can compare that to. When, when I met Jesus, man, nothing in this world compares to that. I hope you feel the same way. So, you know, that's why we love weddings. You know, even the most hardened heart of persons or callous people can be kind of warmed inside, Sometimes as they even watch a young couple, could be strangers, or they don't know, they just maybe came, they don't know the couple, but they're attending with someone who did, and maybe they're a hardened person as they exchange bow, uh, vows in front of an altar, and uh, this is a classic picture of first love. We've had lots of people right here underneath a trellis, I don't know what they're called, something, and pastors behind them, and they're exchanging vows, and they're reciting these things, and it does something to a human. It's first love. It's fresh love. It's attractive. And if you're one of those people at a, at a wedding that would think they're the, oh, just wait for 10 years. Man, you are a horrible example. Or something bad has happened to you. But most of the time, it gets people. It's, there's an attractive thing about a first love. The couple who sees no wrong in each other. And, and they look forward to sharing the rest of their lives together. And I hope that, I hope that you can spend... My wife and I don't have kids, okay? And you, you all know that. But, there, but there's even... There's something because we don't have kids that we probably have because we have cultivated our love for almost 18, 19, 20 years and it, it is amazing. Now, if you do it right and God's involved and I've just heard stories and can't attest to it, but sometimes kids can drive a wedge because parents and adults let it happen and then you've lost your first love because something else has happened. That person that you exchange vows with should be your sweetheart more than any other human being on planet Earth even your children. And that's why we sometimes will lose sight of that. And so I want to I kind of look at this. If you ma- imagine this couple, maybe they get married. If you imagine this scene 15 years later, I want to kind of relate and parallel this. 
the best that I can. You might laugh a little bit, but that's okay. So if you imagine this couple, this scene 15 years later, this same wife is feeling under the weather, and her husband is sitting beside her bed at 3 in the morning, and she's sick, and, and, and I, I, maybe this, this husband goes to the side of this wife's bed and holding cough medicine and reading it to her and reading the ingredients. And, you know, honey, this cough medicine, can, medicine contains 6.2 milligrams of this and 2.5 milligrams of that, which is, a, you know, an antihistamine and a cough suppressant and, and a nasal decongestant. And she would simply just kind of look up and say, why would you be reading all of this to me? Okay, So she looks up and asks her husband, why are you reading all of this to me? And her husband might reply, there's a lot of frauds on the market. You know, I'm not not willing to, to go to all this trouble and have you take an inferior product. And just picture this couple 15 years later down the road, married and... So she says again and looks at him, do you love me? Of course I love you, this husband says. It's 3 a.m. I'm here, aren't I? I'm sitting right beside of you discussing the truth of this healing medicine that I'm holding in my hand for you. I'm here. I'm up at 3 a.m. Of course I love you. That should be enough. So you remember when Jesus appeared to his disciples in John 21 on the shore and he asked Peter a similar question. Jesus turned to him and said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these? So we don't really know exactly what these meant, but there's a lot of people that have preached a lot of different sermons on what these actually meant. But maybe it could have been something within reach because he's talking, do you love me more than these? He's pointing or talking, it's something close by. Okay, so maybe it was the the boats, which represent his calling, his life, his vocation, how he makes money. Maybe it was the oars, the nets. Maybe it was his friends. Maybe it was the fish that were cooking on the shore. So do you love me more than these, Jesus says. And Peter must have, maybe in his life, really loved the smell of the sea. They went right back when Jesus was crucified, and they go back to doing it. So they had a love for it. They had a love for it. He loved handling the oars. He loved doing these things. So he loved casting the nets into the water and bringing the fish in. And the, like Chase said yesterday at our golf outing, the camaraderie, the camaraderie that he shared with his friends. He loved that. So you picture this husband on the side of the bed taking care of a sick wife. Oh, I'm here, aren't I? That should speak volumes to you. Of course I love you. I'm up at 3 a.m. Now I want to go over, I heard this, at a, um, I heard this uh, on a recording from a seminar. And these are the five stages of the common cold through marriage. Okay? They just get married, it's year one, and the wife is getting a cold. Oh, my love. My dear you have a sniffle. You might be getting a cold. Just, just lie there. Don't move. I will call 911 immediately. We will be at the hospital in a few minutes. I'll stay right beside you until you are well again. Year one of marriage. Stage two. A year or two of marriage have passed. Oh dear. You seem to have a cold. Try to get some rest. We'll call the doctor first thing in the morning. Stage three. You have a cold. I'll go to the cupboard and get you some cough medicine. Think Christianity here. Stage four. You have a cold. Ah, There's some cough medicine in the bathroom. Hey, Hey, if you go get some, you might help us both get some rest. Stage five, quiet down. That's disgusting. If you're going to lay there and bark like a seal all night, at least you could go to the spare room or the couch and get some sleep. (laughs) 
Do you love me more than these, Jesus says to Peter? Do you love me more than the things that you have become familiar with? Do you love me more than what you have grown accustomed to having, to tasting, to touching, to feeling, to handling? So Peter could have replied, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm here. But the scriptures tell us that when Peter saw Jesus standing on the shore and one of the disciples recognized that it was the master, Peter leapt from the boat into the water because of the love in his heart. Nothing stopped him because he loved him. And that was proof. So he could have said to Jesus, well, didn't you notice that I got here first? I, had my first, I pulled the first chair up to breakfast this morning. Or I had my seat reserved at the fire before the rest of the people even arrived. No, why would you ask me if I love you? You know that I do. Well, we could kind of ask ourselves today the same question. Do we love Jesus? Do we really love him? So some would answer, well, of course I do. Of course I love him. I wouldn't even be here at the church. I wouldn't be listening to you speak right now. I wouldn't be studying the scriptures and examining truth if I didn't love you, Lord. I wouldn't be going on mission trips maybe periodically or doing things in a community if I didn't love you. See, it's quite obvious, Lord, that I, that I love you. So then we look again back maybe at the husband who carries on with his duty to present this medicine that he holds in his hand to his wife. And once again, in this voice, this, this wife that is ill, barely above a whisper, do you love me? Do you love me? Now, men, we are supposed to know exactly what our wives want all the time, right? Whether they speak it, say it, motion it, make a facial expression, we're to know. See, we should be able to recognize when our wife is on a completely different brainwave than us. We should be able to recognize that. And, you know, what's, what's wrong? Babe, what's, what's wrong? If you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. And we're supposed to know exactly what's going on. You know, what's wrong? What do you want me to do? I, we have a really smart cat at home named Kylo. He's awesome. He's a Maine Coon. He's beautiful. He's, he'll be a year here shortly, in about a month or so. And he, know, he is smart. And he knows a lot of words. But when he's confused, maybe about a word he doesn't quite know, and he's learning quite a few, he'll, he'll turn and tilt his head and do all kinds of motions like he just doesn't quite understand. And sometimes I feel that way with Jen a little bit. Like, I, I don't... Just tell me. You ever feel like that? Good. Jason, thank you for your honesty. And uh, I've been married, it'll be 18 years in January. And, I, and I've learned, I think, a thing or two, right? You think? And um, th- this is, man, th- this, is, this is serious for those of you who are sharing your household with your spouse. So this husband is, is continuing to try to cater to this wife's sickness and but in reality, really, this husband has kind of become much like the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. Concerned about having the right product. Concerned about getting up because of a duty and doing the right thing. Concerned about the appearances of love. And, and, but Jesus said to the church in Revelation 2, 4, and 5, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou have left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. Use it or lose it. This candlestick is representing the shine and the glow of your first love with the Lord. We can put on an appearance. If I lift my hands just right, I can put on this appearance of the Lord. And if I come to the altar and rock back and forth, and if I do these things, and, and if I do sign language when I worship, and if I say hallelujah at the right moment, it gives the appearance 
that I love the Lord and that I'm, I'm here, aren't I? I came back on a Sunday night where a fifth of the church shows up. I'm here. I, look, I must love the Lord. And I could say that when I was 16 and I first came to the Lord, I could hardly wait for opportunities to read the Bible, to even study. I even did six months at Abrea University out of Missouri Bible College and then realized that my life course was changing, becoming a teacher and a youth pastor. And I just wanted depth to my walk with the Lord. And I was excited about it. Winning, the, winning souls and talking to people about the Lord was as easy as breathing. Do you remember these days? Do you remember this? Do you still experience this? I mean, there was really no program involved. I just loved the Lord. I just loved the Lord. That's it. And I, I don't, somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, we complicate things. And people would ask me back then, and, and, and I still get asked, I think there's just something about starting your walk with the Lord. And maybe you don't know a whole lot, but you know you are in love and this person has changed your life. You know, people might say, what happened to you? Or how can you remain so calm in the midst of such adversity or hardship or trial? See, what is the difference that I see in your life? I did not... I didn't even have to open my mouth to explain and so well I like in Revelation too. Well, I've been testing and proving. I've been checking out these false people and people who claim to be apostles, and I found them to be liars. I didn't have to say anything hardly. All I did was live my life, and it was obvious and evident that I loved the Lord. Do you feel like that now? You feel like you have to get in a debate and outsmart somebody. And I didn't tell them that it was because I had gone on a missions trip, or, and I had. Or that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time volunteering at the house of God. It was just simply, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. I love Him. He's come into my heart. He's transformed my life. He's broken the power of the things that once held me captive. He's given me hope for a future. I love Him. I love this man. He's teaching, me, he's teaching me how to be a good husband. You can say he's teaching me how to be a good mother or a good father. He's showing me these things. And I had this simple answer in my heart because I just loved them. And people are attracted to first love. They are attracted to it. So there was a third time on the shore, having just answered Jesus' question, Peter probably was sitting down by the fire and the fish were being cooked for breakfast and Jesus once again asked him the same question, do you love me? And Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But maybe he shouldn't have been so quick to answer because he was asked this question even another time, a third time. And you maybe would start to get annoyed and say, of course I do, or aren't I here, or you saw what I did or what I said. So John 21, 17 says, He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know that I love you. And see, by this point, Peter was probably pretty frustrated, saying, Lord, you know all things. You've already asked me this twice. Why would you ask me a third time? You know that I love you. Why would you keep asking me this question? John 21, 18 and 19 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When you were young, you girded thyself, and, and you walked wherever I would. And, but now you're old, and stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he spoke this, he saith unto him, follow me. So he was basically saying, Peter, uh, just one, once again, just embrace me. Reach out your hands. Once again, just embrace me. 
And you remember the early days, and I remember the early days. And Jesus could say to Peter, we were around the table when I told you I was going to Jerusalem and I I was going to be betrayed and crucified. You remember that day when you said, I'll go with you, is what this scripture is saying. I'll go with you. Lord, I'll even die with you. Wherever you go, I'll go. I love you. I love you. Nothing would hinder him. Wherever you're going to be, there I'm going to be with you. And Jesus is saying to Peter, remember those days in the beginning stages? You didn't say that out of duty. You didn't come to me with cough medicine when I was sick out of duty. You loved me. And you said it was because you loved me. So Jesus is saying, now I'm asking you to stretch out your hands like John 21 says. And embrace me one more time. Embrace me in a way that you did in those first moments that we had together. How do you cultivate the relationship that you have with your spouse? You still get in a car and go driving and maybe listen to some worship music or just talk and hold hands and stroke each other's hands and say sweet nothings? Do you still do that? Do you have a language between the two of you that only the two of you understand? I hope so. Someone on the outside wouldn't even be able to hardly understand you. I hope you have that still. After 10, 20, 30, 2 years, 40 years, don't let that die. Don't let it die when you go into the kitchen and you grab your wife and you start dancing with them or start, I'm just going to say it, making out with them. Don't let it die. That is your girl. She's yours. God gave her to you, gentlemen. Reignite your first love. Reach out and embrace them once again. It would heal a lot of homes if you would do that. So back to these first moments. This same thing that the wife is saying to her husband. You know, as he dutifully read these these contents of the cough syrup. And all she wants, just all I want you to do is hold me. And, And if you try to continue to guess what's wrong... It's just going to be a downward spiral. You try to guess what's wrong, and you're upset because she's upset, but you want to know, and all she wants maybe is to be held, and that's all Jesus is wanting, is to know you love Him, and it's because you love Him, and you can't live without Him. This is what a wife would say, and I know that in the Word of God, the bride of Christ, it's a parallel we use all the time. And the bride just wants to know that the husband loves her. That she's not just a labor. I want to know that I'm still as important to you as the day that we spoke those vows to one another. Don't read to me. Don't try to figure out. Just hold me. Just embrace me. That's That's all Jesus is saying. So I know that there are maybe men here tonight or men in our church whose marriage might not be going well. And this is not a message on marriage, but it's a good parallel. Maybe it's because you've lost your first love. But I believe that if you would reach out to your wife and embrace her again, you will find that she still wants to be given to you. And that's all she wants. You will find that a lot of healing will come in to your home and to your family and to your household if you just simply reach out. You stop talking and just hold. Just hold them. Show them that you love them. The Lord went on to say in Revelation 2.7, To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And this is basically Jesus was saying to the church in Ephesus as well as New Hope Church today and to the church of the United States and the church of Jesus Christ all over the world today. Will you simply just love me as you once did? When no cost was too great and no journey was too far to just love them. To go back when I was 16 years old and everything in my life was transformed. Will you just reach out to the Lord and let him lead you again? Will you just embrace his will and his life and walk with him wherever he goes? 
And I know that if we are willing to do this, I know that he will once again unlock the full victory that happened at the cross to us. His strength will be ours again if we just love him. This is what makes us attractive. Revelation 2.5 again says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent. Use it or lose it. That's what that scripture is saying. Don't misrepresent. If somebody can't ask you what, who, what has overcome you, who or what are you so in love with? What gives you the drive to keep moving forward? What gives you the joy and happiness to overcome in hardship? What, give me, what is the reason for the hope that is inside of you? Do you still get those questions asked to you? So this candlestick, simply put, is the, this light. This light, this shining of the first love. It's a bright, burning flame. Light the fire again. Remember that song? Light it again, Lord. Especially now in these days where people oh so desperately need to hear it and see it. Light it again, Lord. Christ in us is what is attractive to people who are on the outside of the kingdom of God and who are on the outside of the walls that are around us now. It's what makes the children in this church and the children that you have want to follow the Lord. Some have made poor choices, and I was thinking of people this morning as I saw different people doing things this morning and different people being called on to pray and do things, and I was thinking, it seems like a lot of people have had a phase, but train up a child in the way that they will go and show them that shining of that first love, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. Thank God for His mercy that waited and tarried. For some of us, have we made some really poor choices in our life? And if we were to die in those state without the mercy of God, it wouldn't be good. So have you ever noticed a couple that's eating together at a restaurant and they're so in love that they're not even really aware of the food that is on their plate? And I always want to converse with my wife while we're eating at a restaurant. And I, I always, whether we're out back on the deck or eating a meal at home, I always, we always say, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I refuse to let the enemy wedge himself between our marriage. You have to intentionally and deliberately refuse that, just like your relationship with the Lord. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. So you have this young couple, they're staring into each other's eyes. And sometimes my wife and I will look around a restaurant and see and, and compliment that to each other. Look at that couple, man. That is so awesome to see that. You see them maybe praying together or you see them holding hands and gazing into each other's eyes and the food's getting cold. And then you look at the same couple 25 years later and maybe he's reading the newspaper and she's looking out the window. And the only words that they can come up with is nice potatoes. Yeah, these peas aren't bad either. And that's the depth. And that's it. Because we've left our first love. You should be getting to know the Lord and know your significant others and even friendships that you build and cultivate. With trials and tragedy and going through them and praying and coming out victoriously and sharing those and strengthening each other afterwards. And being able to talk about those things. Not having children has not divided my wife and I like it does so many couples. It's brought us even closer together. Coming against the enemy. That's what God does. Through all of those things. And it's okay. You know, there's nothing really attractive about a relationship where there's no attraction between them. Look at them. Uh, Somebody told me they went to Tumbleweed and they had a... Uh, they saw a family eating and a mom and dad were on one side of the booth and there were three children on the other side of the booth. Every single family member, all five of them were on their phones and didn't say a word to each other. That does not set us up for success. So, man, you know, you look at relationships like that and families like that, you're not going to say, man, I would really love to be married someday and have a relationship like that. We don't say that. So why would it be different if somebody on the outside of the kingdom of God would look at us and say, 
I don't want What is so good about Christianity? What is so good about being a Christian? There's no joy. There's not even smiles. These people don't know how to endure through hardship and come out victoriously, praising the Lord on the other side. In fact, these people who call themselves Christians at my work get mad and they curse all the time and then they talk about going out and drinking and what is the attraction? What is the difference? And I'm telling you, these little compromises will lead to losing your first love. People who have these little compromises either maybe never were in love to begin with or they've lost their first love. You can't tell me That somebody who continues to curse after 20 years of being saved loves the Lord God with all their heart. You can't. It's impossible. Because when I love God so much, it's because I'm cultivating a relationship with the Lord. I'm going to a spot, I'm going to a couch, I'm going to the basement, I'm going in my office, I'm somewhere, and I'm I'm reading, or I'm listening to worship, or I have to converse and communicate with the Lord, because He is my love. And if I'm not, then that relationship's going nowhere. It's a very simple message tonight. So there's nothing about our relationship with the Lord that anybody in the world is going to desire, let alone ask us about. This is a danger that every one of us can fall into. It's really easy to become this church of Ephesus. Focusing on doing everything right and right doctrine and the programs and but all at the expense of losing what was so precious in the beginning. So God can help the bride, that's us, of Christ, who suddenly, God help us if if I need, what do you like about your wife? Well, it's here somewhere. Let Let me look at it. Yeah, her eyes and her humor. God help us if we have to get a pamphlet out to tell somebody about the Lord. All I have to do is tell them how much I love him and why. What he's done for me. That's it. That's my witness. That's my testimony. That's my story. He delivered me from A through Z. He set my feet upon a rock. He's given me a reason to live. He's given me purpose. He's given me hope. He's given me victory. He has given me joy. He's done all of this. I love him. And I didn't or couldn't do that on my own or in my own strength. That's your story. That's your witness. It's really simple. It's really easy. I didn't even quote a scripture. I just love him. I, I, I hope I never need a pamphlet to have to minister, to witness, or to tell somebody the great things about my wife. Our hearts should be absolutely captivated. Captivated by the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the power of the Lord Jesus. Captivated like in Song of Solomon 5, 10 through 16. And I'm just going to, you can read all of that. But it says, have you seen him? He's the fairest among 10,000. He is altogether lovely. Captivated. Who is this coming out of the wilderness leaning on their beloved? Captivated by them. That's a first love. The message is very simple tonight. Return to your first love. Don't let it continue to grow stagnant. If you're at a point right now, and you can even think in your own marriage, because if our walks with the Lord aren't right, there's a really good chance our marriage could be doing better. I've heard it said that when people get divorced or they're having a lot of trouble in their marriage, it's because one or both parties aren't right with God. Think about that. Think about that. One or both parties aren't right with God. It's the same same with me. It's the same with the Lord. If, If I don't have joy in spite, how much I love God is not dictated or determined by my circumstances. 
Why would that change how much I love him? Or I'm not reading the word and I'm not understanding that trials and tribulations happen to everyone all the time. Because of the fall of man, sin is everywhere. It's everywhere. Disease is everywhere. And sometimes God will put us in situations only so he can continue to prove and show himself even more to us so that we end up loving him even more, finding him to be trustworthy and faithful in all things. So I don't really know about you, but I want to finish my race. I'll be 38 this Christmas. I don't know if my race is going to be over before that and the rapture happens and I'm going to go home and be with the Lord or if I'm going to die of old age or if I'm going to come down with a a, a sickness. I don't know any of that yet. But whenever and however that happens, I want to make sure that I am starting I am finishing this race the way I started it. So in love with the Lord. Back to my first love. I want my marriage to be now and finish better than what it started. Better. You see people say, I love you more than the day we met. Well, I hope so. I surely hope so. I love you now after 35, 40, 50 years of marriage more than... I hope so. If God is in the middle of that, there wouldn't be any other option. I want my love for the Lord Jesus to increase. I don't want to preach in different places as a youth pastor and being asked to speak all over the place and hear and to the kids and, and have people just conclude, wow, he, he sure is theologically accurate. And that's what they have to say about me. Or or he sure can rip apart those false prophets, like it says in Revelation 2. He sure can labor without fainting, like it says. Well, I love the Lord. I'm here, aren't I? I would much rather people notice and just say, man, that guy really loves the Lord. He, He loves Jesus. And I hope that that's what you would want to have people conclude about you. You love God. You love Him. It's not determined or dictated by circumstances. The hardship that you've gone through and have shaken your fist at the Lord in private and you've doubted and you've yelled, why do you hate me? We've gone through some hard situations. But that should not have any bearing on how much or how hard I love the Lord. And I only love Him because He first loved me. Love Him back. That's the choice of free will. I want you to stand. And you can kind of dim the lights and and don't start the, the altar call music yet. But you can get it up and ready. So maybe you've started out in love with the Lord, and I know that I'm speaking to a group tonight who comes back on Sunday nights, and maybe you've been faithful in that manner for quite a while. Just kind of just kind of question where you are right now with the Lord, and if people can conclude about you, man, they love the Lord. That's your story. I love them. Here's why. So maybe you started out in love with the Lord and somewhere down the road it's kind of declined or degenerated in your heart you, you know that your relationship with Him is not what it used to be and now it's about works and if I don't show up on a Wednesday night pastor's going to think something wrong so I got to go that's not love just love the Lord it's become about doctrine and learning to endure like Revelation 2 says Jesus, if this is the case, he would say, man, if you, if you can overcome this, this, maybe this stagnicity or this um, just being mediocre, or if you can overcome this, um, this decline, this moral decay or moral decline in your own life, or then everything I have can be yours again tonight. Everything I have to offer, every promise of the book is yours. 
if you can overcome this tonight. And we are overcomers. And he will put light in your eyes again. He'll put a smile on your face again. People will again ask the reason for the hope that is inside of you. And people are desperate and seeking and searching for hope right now in this crucial hour. So you can go ahead and start the music. This music, you've probably never heard this song. I'd be surprised if you have, but it talks about going back to your first love. And you can even put the video up if you'd like. It's just a, some college students worshiping. Listen to the lyrics. Come to the altar tonight. Ignite our hearts once again, Lord. We put our hands out, Lord, and we embrace you, Jesus. Take not my candlestick, Lord. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to shine, Lord. This is how we bring the Lord Jesus glory in our generation. The attractiveness of first love. I love you, Lord. Don't take my candlestick, Father. Can you just worship Him tonight? Even if you're not at the altar, can you worship your Lord tonight? Do you love them? Can you say that tonight? I've got to sing it. I've got to shout it. You have been good to me. You have been good to me. Sing that tonight together. I've got to shout it. You have been good to I've gotta see it. I've gotta shout it. You have been good to me. You be good to me. You are good to me. You are good to me, Lord.
Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Just like our relationship with the Lord. Husbands, reach out. Embrace your wives again. Hold them. Reach out to them again. Thank you for new beginnings, Lord. I is you. Father, as we start another week, Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, that tonight would would seal that in our hearts, Lord. God, we say that we love you. Our our actions, Lord, we, we try, Lord, to show that we love you. But God, we want a real reignited relationship with you, Lord. God, we want our love for you to drive everything that we do, Father that everything would be motivated by the love that we have for you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to love you again. Help this church to love you again. We are not just filling pews, Lord, because it's, the, it's our duty. We are here because we, are, we love you and we are in love with you, Father. Because of what you've done for us, because of your sacrifice, because of you delivering us, setting us free, breaking the bonds of prison and captivity in our lives, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this church would be a candlestick in this community, Father God, that people would be drawn to it, attracted to it, Lord Jesus, because we love you and we lift you up And the promise is that you will draw men unto yourself because we lift you up. We edify you. We love you, Father. God, help us to be proof of that this week. Help us to be your demonstration. And God, we ask, Lord, that if someone asks us what it is about us, God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness, but most of all, the love for you and for your people, Lord, that you love so much. We thank you, Father. We bless your name, and it's in your name, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.